sure. <laughs> I mean, I look at it and you've got more awards and accolades than I have years on my passport. see my background I'm actually zooming in today from Dubai International Airport Terminal 3 and it's a pleasure to host with Gaurav a good fintech friend of mine in Dubai our guest speaker Odin welcome hello London hi thank you for having me um, Odin and I first met a couple of years ago on a visit to, to Lagos and uh, we were enthralled by her story and when we started the series of looking at and telling the stories of fintech founders around the world, stories that don't get told often in places like London or the Valley or New York, we thought Odin would be a great person to share her experiences. Odin, why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about how, um, you know, how you got into fintech, the process, the kind of practical process. And also, I mean, you're, you're one of very few number of don't want to make you a sort of symbol or a patron saint of women in fintech, but there are very few, it's a fact, there are very few women, uh, young women in fintech. How did, how was the experience for you and what kind of words of advice or wisdom do you have for um, others who are trying to follow your path? Right. Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Odwayo. I'm co-founder and CEO of Piggyvest. And I got into tech in, I think, 2013, right out of university. Um, so I came out of school, <clears throat> met up with a few friends, and it turns out that they were working on the startup. So I joined them um, at the time as a, uh, as a social media manager. And I graduated from social media management to like working ops for that company. Uh, but while we were working on that company, three of us started to you know, consider another idea. And so in 2014, March, I launched my own first startup called Push CV, and it was in the HR job space. And we ran that for about two years before we got the idea for Piggyvest. I mean, in the time we ran Push CV, we ran several other projects. Uh, most of them failed. And then the idea for Push CV and for Piggyvest was literally inspired by a tweet that we saw in December 2015. And starting January 2016, I became co-founder and CEO of Piggyvest. And that's kind of my journey into fintech is very, my journey into tech in general has been very experimental. Um, it's mostly me trying things, focused on B2C, of course, focused on the millennial market. We've been very obsessed, I think, with solving problems for our generation. So it wasn't that we wanted to do fintech specifically, is that we were trying to solve problems that like happened to people in our age group. That's how we started Piggyvest. <clears throat> As for being one of the women in tech, I think that the situation is so much more improved now. In 2013, I can literally tell you all of the women I knew in tech in Nigeria and probably across Africa. And today we have so many more women, you know, there's programmers, product managers, founders, and we're not where we need to be by any means, but the representation is certainly like it's improving. Um, you no longer have to be the one woman who's the token woman at every FinTech event or at every tech event. There is a selection and that's always a good thing. Um, so what do I have to say to people who want to start? Um, like my dad would say to me, no one is coming. You have to save yourself. And so literally no one is going to give us that space. We have to take it. Um, we've seen many more FinTech founders, female FinTech founders take their own space. 
Farajitubo of Okra. You know, um, we have so many women now deciding, I want to do this, and then just going ahead and doing it. And I, I think that's kind of the way. Odin, you said a tweet was the genesis of the idea for Piggyverse. Yeah. For those of people who don't know the story, tell us about that, the tweet. Right. Yeah, so I'm a very typical millennial. I spend half my time on social media. And on December 31, 2015, I was on Twitter. And really, it was just, it was New Year's Eve. So it was mostly playful, like, conversation. But there was a tweet that stood up, like it was going viral. Um, there was a lady in Nigeria who had saved inside an actual wooden box, a thousand naira every day. A thousand naira is basically two dollars. So she put aside two dollars every day for a full year. She broke the box, she took photos of it and put it on Twitter and it went viral. And the reaction then was very interesting because the way we were thinking about it was wildly different than the way the rest of the Twitter verse was thinking about it. Everyone is like, I want to do this, I want a wooden box. And my co-founder is like, there's a way we can make tech do this for people. And that's kind of how Piggy Bank, as it used to be called, was born. Awesome, a wooden box, Piggy Bank, great story. I'm gonna bring in my co-host and buddy Gaurav, because uh, he's got some questions for you, I know. So Gaurav, over to you. Thanks so much, Ronit. And you know what? It's a, it's a real pleasure, uh, uh, Odin, to, to meet you as well, right? I mean, I, I you know, I'm uh, looking at your Wikipedia page, and everyone, <laughs> she has a Wikipedia page. And I'm sorry to embarrass you, but this is so cool. <laughs> I mean, I look at it, and you've got more awards and accolades than I have years on my passport. So it's, it's fascinating. And I won't go through all of them, but it's beautiful. It's colorful, and you know you're you're an inspiration to to a number of people out there. And, you know, going back to what Ronit said, we want to make you a symbol, but it's very cool uh, what you've done in such a short space of time. And so, hats off to you. And the story of Piggy Vest is amazing. I have to say, the the first uh, female founder from from Africa that I met was Shivani Saroya from Tala, who I'm sure you know as well. Yeah. And, and that story was 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 a while back and I didn't meet her here in Dubai or anywhere else. I met her in Silicon Valley when she was doing a series B round, right? When everyone else came in. And it was a great story. And it's so wonderful to see more and more female founders taking the, the charge and, and, and charting the way in FinTech. And, you know, the, the one thing coming back to your business um, is, you know, where did you start uh, from an education point of view? You know, uh, fractional bonds, savings, it's not something that was, you know, from a wooden box with cash in it. How did you understand or do a roadmap for what the initial products would be when you have to educate a, a market, let alone let them adopt it from a digital front? You know, I, I think that's a very like cool question because it gives us a chance to kind of dig into how interesting it was to learn alongside our users, right? Um, when we started, I was 22. My co-founders were like around the same age. And, you know, we'd seen a wooden box and we'd gotten inspired. And you know, I will tell you the truth, the idea in our heads at the time wasn't much more than that. Let us help young people save automatically instead of using actual wooden boxes. But when we went to work, like developing the idea, we discovered like the most interesting things, right? In Nigeria, the woman who saved with the wooden box, the actual woman who saved with the wooden box had at least two bank accounts. If you have two bank accounts, she was banked fully. 
why do you need an alternative, right? And then our answers were people just like, so I'll give some backstory on Nigeria, just so the thinking is like straightforward. When you open a bank account in Nigeria, as opposed to the Western world where you have checking and savings, our bank accounts, whatever they look like, function like a checking account. So it comes with your, you know, <clears throat> it comes with your withdrawal sleep, your ATM cards, and so you can access it anytime. That's the first thing. But the second thing is when you do put money in a Nigerian bank account, and this applies across Africa, it reduces because of the charges. So you have account maintenance charges, you have ATM card charges, you have SMS charges, you have all of these charges. Some of them just come. Some of them are new. You've never heard of them before. In a way that makes it that if you put a thousand naira in your bank account on January 1, by January 31st, you are meeting 990 something naira or 980 something naira. And that doesn't work. We're, we're like working from an economy where our payments are all done in cash, in bulk, and upfront. We don't have a credit system. Our credit infrastructure is almost non-existent. So younger people are starting at ground zero, no loans. So people literally have to save up, but it was proving impossible. And the third factor that we discovered was that paying in cash in bulk and upfront is very interesting because if you wanted to buy a car, a fairly used one even, you have to put down at least 2 million naira, which is give or take $4,000. And average entry level salary, you're just graduating is about $200 a month. Big problem. And so when you start at that point, you start to realize just how much that woman needed that wooden box. And so when we started to build the platform, it was around that. What can we do to make sure that a person who earns $200 a month can take advantage of this service? What can we do to make sure that that flexibility of just accessing your money at any time, we limit it on this platform? What can we do to make sure that when it's time to withdraw in bulk, our platform has actually already helped you? And that's when we started to learn what needed to be on the platform. Of course, we started with the automated savings and decided the best way to learn about all these things was to talk to the people whose problem we're trying to solve. And so began our own, what became our strategy, like user-centered development, where we had these conversations with them across several open houses, and they use the feedback there in, like, um, in conjunction with the data that we've gathered from people who use the platform to develop the next features. So um, it wasn't because we were experienced with it. I studied computer engineering, kind of, at the time, could not pretend to be a finance expert, um, made significant progresses then, but we literally were learning with the users from them, and then just from the data we had, and then from people who we had as advisors. Cool, thank you for that, uh, for that initial uh, overview. Uh, back to you, Ronit, if you wanted to pick up the next step of this journey, which is fascinating. Sure. Um, maybe, Odin, we could zoom out from the, the micro, your story, um, and the Piggyverse story, and look at the macro, sort of. Nigeria is having a moment, right, in fintech. I think, in, so when we first met two years ago, sure, people were already investing, um, you know, Shola and Paystack had had their Stripe, you know, investment, and 
but we hadn't quite got to this level of every second day we seem to get a unicorn. I'm exaggerating now, but uh, <laughs> there weren't the only unicorn at the time, if there was one, was InterSwitch. Um, and we could discuss what kind of technology company <laughs> it is. But today, I mean, what tell us, I mean, as an insider, why is Nigeria having this moment in fintech or in tech in general? What do you think the catalysts are and the triggers are? And how sustainable is this? Is this a start of you know, a multi-year phenomenon? Are we gonna see the same happen? Obviously Kenya has been quite developed for a while, but are you gonna see the same happen across the continent? We all know 54 plus countries, everyone's different, but we'd love to get your thoughts on you know, this moment we're having in FinTech. Right, I, I think that, and this is pure conjecture, like um, honestly, zero data to back this up. I think that it's mostly as a result of kind of the world becoming more interconnected. At the time we spoke, that was like three years ago, there wasn't a lot of Nigerians, you know, making it a Y Combinator, having these conversations in Silicon Valley and all of those things. And then all of a sudden you have Shola, and then you have Flutter Wave, and then you have like people are from Piggy that's speaking on global stages. And all of that attention is coalescing on the ecosystem. If Stripe acquired Paystack, what else could be there? You know, what could I be missing? What did Patrick Collison see that the rest of the investors like didn't see so far? And so I think that was very helpful as a catalyst. I will credit the acquisition of Stripe, um, of Paystack by Stripe as the reason that all of this uh, attention is now shining on the work that we've been doing. Because if we're being honest, people have always launched new ventures in Nigeria daily, right? What's happening now is it's so much easier for success capital to then bring that, those ideas to everyone's consciousness, right? In 2016, when we started seed rounds used to be like, if you raised a hundred K seed round, that was a big deal. And then in 2018, we raised a $1.1 million seed round. And that was a huge deal, one of the largest that year. But today, people would raise a $15 million seed round and no one would bat an eyelid. It's because global attention has now come. People are beginning to see and make these really huge bets on Nigerian startups. And I think it's worth it. Sustainability, I think is you know, as sustainable as the blitz that Silicon Valley saw. There will be failures, you know, there will be ups, there will be downs, but there will also be really real results, as you've seen with Paystack, Flutterwave, as you hopefully will see with Piggyvest, Kuda Bank, and all of these startups that are doing amazing things. So will there be some misses? Yeah, but every ecosystem has those, but the successes will more than make up for those, and I think that you'll see it then spread to other ecosystems like Kenya, South Africa, Rwanda, which is doing amazing in Egypt, which is also starting to gain a lot of traction. It's really, it's really wonderful to see kind of how um, the internet is making it so much easier for African startups to kind of take their place. I, I like this, I like it, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how particularly also across the continent, connections are being made, either businesses operating cross-border or people just interacting online yeah. cross-border. I guess in the old days, often it'd be Lagos to London or Lagos to the Valley. And exactly. Now you can do, actually, Abuja lots of flight London, networks. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. All the flight networks go up to, whether well, it's across to Brussels or Amsterdam or London. And actually, there's yeah. very little intercontinental connectivity, right? <laughs> and the, and the, the, and the internet. 
flights exactly it's cheaper to go via <laughs> europe but internet changes everything right it's like yeah. it makes the interactivity across the continent so much more interesting now if you were i mean i know you do some angel investing yourself and obviously you're involved in first check and i'd love to hear a bit more about that um maybe this is the chance to tell the audience about first check but when you're investing what are the things you're looking for because yes there's a big time yes there's a big opportunity but clearly there are lots of risks as well um be it regulatory, be it operational. So what are the kind of things you're looking at now that you're uh, both as an angel, but also to first check you're investing? So I started angel investing, um, I think um, late 2019. Um, and what I usually look out for is the person. I'm mostly investing in the people. Um, when we started in 2014, when I launched my first startup, the person who invested in us, invested in us when our idea was like, literally nothing we were like we had 1000 people signed up on the platform and he's like i'm going to give these people this money and they're going to run with it and he he continued like that right and so when i started in 2019 i looked out for people who i thought even when this startup isn't working out this person has the grit to push it through and also you're looking for ideas that have the potential to be high growth and highly scalable and so I've generally done that, no restriction on the investing, but with First Check, we narrowed it a little bit. So First Check is this um, seed fund, pre-seed and seed fund that I started with, Eloha, who's my co-founder there. And we're investing in female-led teams and diverse teams. And what we look out for is, first of all, female-led and diverse. And then what kind of idea are you building on? Is it tech-enabled? That's very key. And how are you thinking about the roadmap? When you're investing, I think, at pre-seed stage, there isn't a lot to go on except the founders' like thoughts on how they plan to develop this. Is the founder thinking the right way about this? Is this an idea that I would be proud to execute as well? Um, can I find avenues to help this person? And more importantly, what is the potential for scale? And so that's what we've been looking at. And I think we, we found some success. First Check has now written, I think, six checks. And we started in January of this year. We plan to write eight this year and next year up the amount we give to people and increase the number of startups within the portfolio. So we've been able to find the women-led companies that we want. And it's been very interesting just seeing um, how much that first money in will help improve the pipeline of women. And can you tell us one or two examples of first check companies? Yes, absolutely. So we have... Um, Health Tracker, which is in health tech. Health Tracker is doing at-home testing, which was not a thing in Nigeria at all. Uh, the founder, if they had lost her dad to something that should have been easily diagnosed, but wasn't. And so she's launched now. Uh, we've given her funding. She's gone on to raise follow-on funding and she's doing amazing. And we've also invested in a startup called Fundamate in South Africa. Fundamate, so Health Tracker is based in Nigeria. Fundamate is in South Africa. So we really cover Africa. And Fundamate is in EdTech. They have about 140,000 users now. And they're basically using WhatsApp to help people in um, low internet and penetration areas access education on uh, feature phones. Back to Gaurav to maybe wrap up this conversation. Thanks, Ronit. That's super, super interesting. And one thing that I just wanted to uh, say before, you know, I launch into my question is, you know, personally, I, I invest a lot into Africa, so very happy to, to help on any journeys where we can with time and 
and, and references and, and experience. So please reach out to us. We, we'd love to participate in that and help. Um, but coming back to, to you and the business and Piggy Vastic, you know, there's, there's a constant evolution which is happening. You know, you're at the frontier, you're educating people, you're creating this, 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 this ecosystem, right? Of people to trust you and put their money in you. So there's very high expectations on a person like you, especially when people, there's a growth phase, a growth spurt to keep also evolving as a business. And with that comes compliance, regulation, almost a lot more red tape and, and learning, you know, along the way that could be an obstacle, but it could be a good thing as well. I'm, I'm very curious, you know, apart from, you know, reaching out to the audiences with Big Brother and doing other very cool, cool campaigns. What is happening in your ecosystem from when you started to now where you feel like you've had to keep building up the team and people to come on board to build up that compliance so you keep that trust of people supporting fintechs like yourself to offer those services that they couldn't have otherwise or couldn't understand. So what's happening? Well, <laughs> is, it, is it becoming rigid or is it becoming flexible still? I mean, I think it depends on who you ask and what relationship that person has with the regulators. When we started, I would have said it was more rigid then. It was really hard to get through to the regulators and kind of make our case. But then um, we got bigger and we met more people, improved our network, and now we're able to go to the regulators and kind of make our case, explain to them this is what we're doing. And for that, we've also had to build an in-house team. So I had operations, and for a long time, operations was just about three people. Today, operations, I think 12 people, from treasury to compliance to regulatory consultants, and I, it, it just keeps growing. And um, Nigeria's regulatory landscape is one that's still evolving, and you really have to stay on top of it. So hiring the people who are, again, able to help you do that, I cannot like overestimate it, because there is a limit to what you as a founder can do for yourself especially when it comes to these matters that require specialty and expertise. So we've learned across the way to kind of, you know, hire these people and let them work, hire these people and let them have those conversations, hire these people so we can protect the business. It becomes less about how do you want to hire, do you want to be lean, and really more, like you said, about protecting the business so you can focus on running it, running financial literacy programs, getting user acquisition and running the campaigns, doing the really cool work while there's people who are focused on how do we keep the boat steady and so that the growth isn't like at risk. So it's been very interesting having to kind of expand that team, getting people who are much older, much more experienced to come on board and see them at their, doing their thing. Um, they're, they're all like very gracious, I think. They answer all our very silly questions, uh, but that way I think that engaging with the regulators I, I would recommend for a FinTech company. And I would recommend starting to do it as early as you know, like financially possible. Thank you so much for that. I think uh, Ronit, we have some uh, questions that have come in. Do you, do you want to feel those uh, and to Odin? <laughs> Why don't you go ahead, Gaurav, because I'm at an airport, so. <laughs> sure thing, my, my absolute pleasure. So one question that we have from an anonymous attendee uh, is, what is one tip that you have for fintech founders in Africa? Well, uh, one tip for fintech founders in Africa, like there is always a fintech problem to solve. Every company will eventually become a fintech company. That's what I think. So I think that you keep us it right. There's always something to fix, whether it's in DeFi, whether it's in Fiat, there's always something. 
Ooh, you opened up Pandora's box there, uh, then with DeFi. You just let you just let it creep in there a little bit. I like <laughs> I like that. You know, that's a future product to come from Piggy Vest. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, just let she. You heard it here first on the show. You know? um, but there's another question that came through as well, which was, um, do you think Africa could become the hub for fintech in this region? You know, I think yeah. Um, just by virtue of how much progress has been made in the West and how much less progress has been made in Africa, I'd say yes. Um, you know how, like, is it osmosis or diffusion? Things will move from a place of higher concentration to a place of lower concentration. Africa is the place of lower concentration right now. So it makes sense that all of the attention will be turned here, which would turn it to a hub, uh, a hub. And that might change in the future, but for now, I actually do see Africa becoming a fintech hub. We're solving for the next frontier, all of the next, with the world's, half of the world's population will be in Africa, largest youth population. We have like all of those things that, all of the, the works that make like for a great hub, we have it, so I think so. And, and I think I, I'm conscious of time. I think we're very much on the edge of, of the session. So I just wanna ask one personal question myself. Um, having so much exposure to, to tech and fintech in Africa myself, one thing that I try and do is I try and get founders to work together because I think this is the time which so much happening simultaneously, uh, whether it's Zasu, which is now Union 54, or it's Tri-Jeeves, or it's Piggy Vest, or it's One Pipe, or it's Mono, you know, trying to connect all these people together. And, and you've done some m and yourself, right? I believe you acquired yeah. a company called Saving, right? At yeah. some point, which is very cool. Um, do you think there's a unity situation which is coming out in collaboration for all these fintechs actually work with each other uh, you know in in a unison as well and do you see that yourself on the ground or is this something i'm just imagining in a utopia from my portfolio perspective you know i think it's still early um but i think it's still early everyone's trying to figure out their way and everyone wants to build their own thing but i also think that we don't have much of a choice if we are to be sustainable Right. I think that and I've been making this prediction for like two, three years. It's not happened yet, but it will happen that companies, smaller fintech companies will have to consolidate to remain viable and sustainable. So we don't have a choice. It will happen, but it's not yet happening. At least not at a large scale. I think we're out of time. So we should so. you know thank Odin so much for joining us and uh such a pleasure. Hand this hand this back to Urvi and the CFT folks. <laughs>